Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. Hey, welcome to Vanity Fair's special coverage of, let's now call it the Fox Trials, plural, because this story is not over. It just keeps getting bigger and stranger. I'm Brian Stelter, and you know what this episode is going to be about. On this week's show, it's all about Fox firing Tucker Carlson. I will admit, I did not see it coming. Tucker did not see it coming. I don't think anybody saw this coming. So there is so much to talk about now. The avalanche of embarrassing disclosures, all of the theories about his ouster. We're going to talk about all of them with Vanity Fair politics correspondent Bess Levin. But first, let me bring in special correspondent Gabe Sherman. He is an expert on all things Fox and the Murdochs. He has been reporting the heck out of this story. Uh, So let's get right to it. Gabe, I'm so glad you can be here with us at this moment to help us make sense of this. I mean, it's been a few days, but everybody's still trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Yeah, Brian, I think I saw you tweeted um, at the time of Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon's firing that it was the craziest (laughs) day in cable news history. It was. It was. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this? Well, Brian, you know, for me, the head scratcher here, and you know Fox as well as anyone, when they want to get rid of somebody, there is a carefully crafted plan. The PR department leaks things. Uh, you know, if you flash back to how they got rid of Glenn Beck, you know, there was all these leaks about his ratings and this and that. So by the time the decision was made, you know, the media had digested that this relationship was going sideways. Right. In the case of Tucker, we saw none of that. None it was of that. Monday morning, no PR plan, a very short, vague press release and it really, to me, raised more questions than, you know, none of their explanations, even to this day, make sense to me about why he was pushed out. Well, and they haven't given any on-the-record explanations. And I've, I've found a lot of sources are, are pretty nervous to even talk about this because it's so sensitive and Tucker's negotiating his, his, you know, the terms of his exit now and all of that. But, you know, I do think you've, you've really provided something crucial here in your reporting for, for Vanity Fair's website about Rupert Murdoch and his feelings about Tucker. So before we get to that exact detail, what was the relationship between the Murdochs and Tucker up until recently? Well, up until recently, it was very close. I mean, I reported in my cover story um, for the May issue of Vanity Fair that Tucker was one of Lachlan Murdoch's closest confidants at Fox News. Yeah. And Tucker had had dinner with Rupert Murdoch in Bel Air several months ago. I mean. This was a relationship that, by all accounts, looked to be very strong. So, again, we wake up Monday morning and he's out. It was just, you know, a a total U-turn that— Total um, U-turn. I I think—and I I wrote this for Vanity Fair's website—I think it really raises questions about Rupert Murdoch's leadership of the media empire and whether he's making rational decisions or whether it's just fly by the seat of the pants— you know, making decisions on a whim. Oh. And now everyone else is scrambling to fill in the blanks. Well, if this was succession, 
the the children would be leaking through associates that the old man's uh, lost it, that he's lost it. Is that what's happening here? <laughs> well, obviously, I never talk about sources. Um, but, you know, I don't think this is limited to just the, the, the children. I mean, I feel like people at Fox News are also scratching their heads right. because the decision was made with no explanation. And if you were going to push out somebody for the Dominion conspiracies, I mean, he's not the one. Maria Bartiromo and Hannity and other hosts were pushing election fraud far more than Tucker was. I mean, Tucker did host Mike Lindell and other conspiracy theorists on his show. But famously, when he had an interview with Sidney Powell, he was pretty aggressive in pushing back on her. So um, I'm glad you said that. We need to make sure that really, that's really clear that, yes, this might be in part about Dominion, but not the way people would think. This, this was not part of the settlement. There's been people speculating about that, but this is not part of the settlement. However, what do you think, Gabe, of the theory and, and this, all of this? We're just going to layer on a bunch of theories here, a bunch of data points, and I think we're going to get to the answer by the end of this conversation. And, and you're reporting about Rupert in particular, but, but what about the theory that something in the Dominion redactions, this is something that came out through the discovery process. Um, don't buy it. I don't you buy don't it. You don't buy it. Okay, well, let's, just, let's play it out for one second. If your boss was suddenly able to access your phone and read all your private messages to your friends or colleagues, you know, reading your signal texts or whatever, and if in those texts you were disparaging your bosses, which, you know, you and I would never do, Gabe, but if that was to happen, that would be a big deal, wouldn't it? No. no first of all, um, I, I don't believe... Just my headline on that is I don't believe that's the reason Tucker was pushed out. And okay. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Fox's lawyers have had unfettered access to all of the evidence in the Dominion case for months, yes. if not you know, more than it, a it, year. It, it's been, yes, been many months. That's right. So whatever Dominion had in discovery, Fox had. And presumably they read through and looked through all of their, their main talents, emails and texts just to make sure that they were covered. Mm. So if so what you're saying Tucker, is they, they knew whatever it was Tucker might have said about his bosses, whatever words he used and I mean he's look he's got a terrible mouth. He, he says hateful things about a lot of people. But you're saying whatever he wrote in those texts Fox knew for a long time and didn't do anything. Exactly. And on top of that, if they were going to do something about it, why rush it? They could have a successor in place. Oh, they could they could lead damaging things about Tucker so right. that his market value on the open market was lower. I mean, there was none of that. So I just don't buy ah. that it's somehow related to these Dominion redactions because it was made in such a haphazard way. They would have had time to plan for this. That's a really interesting point. So I was thinking that, uh, you know, cl clearly, by the way, Dominion put some of this material, this embarrassing material, they put it into the legal filings. And some of it was public, but a lot of it was redacted. So I do think Fox fears some of those redactions being unredacted. They do fear some of that stuff coming out in the future. And I was thinking, you know, you get the settlement done. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't can them until after the settlement was, was my thought. And then, you know, at the end of the week, on a Friday after the settlement, they decide, okay, it's enough. Let's, we got we to cut his head off. But you're saying, no, they wouldn't do that. They'd wait to have a successor. They'd wait to make this a clean deal as opposed to the very messy thing they've done here. But also just knowing Rupert Murdoch, the way he operates, if somebody was going to be a sacrificial lamb for the Dominion scandal, it'd be Suzanne Scott. It wouldn't be your highest rated host. I mean, Rupert only cares about the bottom line. I mean, that's, that's just fundamental to, to who he is. Why dump your number one rated host over some, you know, salty text messages and emails. It just, 
It just doesn't pass the smell test for me. Now, listen, I could be totally proven wrong. And as you said earlier, we're prefacing all this by saying these are theories because <laughs> yeah. the network is not talking. Yeah, but neither, it, neither is Tucker. Just, yeah. But, but in the hierarchy of theories, this one is pretty low down for me. So we're going to come back to the texts because I, I, I have a slightly different take on it. But I think you're making a critical point. Like, why would they do this the way they did? Why, why on a Monday morning, all of a sudden, right? Uh, by the way, Carlson has, has told at least one friend that um, Fox wanted to put out a joint statement with him. You know, they wanted to do it a little more gently and, and more collaboratively. Frankly, Kind of like what happened with me at CNN. You know, it, it was very gracious. We were all respectful. And I put out a statement and they put out a statement. And it was all cool. This did not go that way. And Carlson has told a friend the reason why is because he didn't know why he was terminated. He didn't know the reason mm-hmm. why this happened. So as we exactly. talk about these theories, Gabe, we should keep in mind, Carlson may not know why either, which is incredible. Exactly. But but also, but Brian, backing up, if if there was something so bad in these redactions, like the N-word or you know, crazy anti-Semitic or racist comments or jokes or this or that, Tucker would have a pretty good idea why he was being fired, right? I mean, ah. unless unless his frame of reference is so far off that he didn't think those text messages would get him canned. But his genuine confusion from all of my sources suggests to me that it, it can't just be the text messages. Yeah. Otherwise, he would know why he was fired. He'd say, oh, well, I shouldn't have sent that text message. Huh. But he doesn't think that. All right, we're coming back to the text later. Let's put those to the side. Let's talk about Abby Grossberg next. I have a gut sense from at least one person that the Grossberg stuff really was bad for Tucker. That This did damage internally, the allegations of a misogynistic, sexist workplace, uh, all this ugliness behind the scenes. She says she has more tapes. Do you, do you buy that th- that's part of the story here? I don't, and I'll tell you why. Tucker's told somebody that he's never met her in person. You know, That, we that, point that, out that, that I believe is true, by the way. I have heard that uh, from sources as well. Tucker records his show from a remote studio at his home in rural Maine and sometimes in Florida. So he's not physically in the Fox News office headquarters uh, regularly. So he's never met, according to my reporting, he's never met Abby. So why um, why would he, you know, Fox has weathered an entire Me Too scandal. And if, unless there was like serious sexual harassment, more than just verbal comments, I don't see Fox, which is an organization that has weathered many, many scandals, why they would throw their number one host overboard uh, you know, usually what they do is they they either settle these lawsuits or they fight them. They don't just summarily dump their talent because that would be open season on on you know all of their talent, right? How many former disgruntled producers might have embarrassing things about their hosts? I just don't buy that either. It may be possible that Tucker Carlson was not the first. We don't know all the circumstances around Dan Bongino's sudden departure from Fox. He says mm-hmm. it was just a contract negotiation that didn't go well. He just wasn't going to take their offer, and so he walked away. But, you know, there's others that might wonder if Bongino was first and Tucker was second, and this is actually a dramatic change to the tone and tenor of Fox News. Uh, don't I don't buy that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a broken record, but according to my reporting— great. According to my reporting, Tucker was renegotiating a contract as of two weeks ago, and Suzanne Scott, the CEO of Fox News, told him 
that they wanted to re-sign him through 2029 for another five years. I think we should unpack that a little bit more. That's a really important detail. So you're saying Tucker's contract was up in, what, 24, 25? After the election, end of 24. Yeah, and, and by the way, cable networks, that's how they like to do this. You know, a lot of anchor contracts are through an election cycle. Uh, long-term deals through an election, so there's stability during the campaign. Okay, so they, you say they were in negotiations um, to extend him through the end of the decade. Exactly. And by all by all accounts, the negotiations were not, you know, acrimonious. There was, you know, it was probably contentious as all negotiations are. But both sides thought, from my reporting, that they were on track to, to strike a deal. Wow. So again, wake up Monday morning and you suddenly find out you're fired. Is it possible that they were just... They were in talks for months. You know, the, I, I've seen situations like this where, you know, one side makes an offer and then the other side waits three weeks to respond. And then the other side waits a month to respond to that. And, you know, this was they were in negotiations two years ahead of the expiration. So is it possible that they just, um, you know, one hand wasn't talking to the other hand. Right. And the lawyer who was doing the negotiating didn't know what Murdoch's plan was. Of course. Of course. And it is possible that they could have strung Tucker along, you know, made him think they were going to resign, you know, as they you know, get ready to ax him. Try to keep him like fat and happy, right? Of course. Don't let him possible. see it coming. <laughs> but but I just, I circle back to the lack of an orchestrated plan. Uh-huh. This does not smell to me like it was a carefully crafted decision. So that brings us to the headline of your article on VanityFair.com. It says, Tucker Carlson's prayer talk may have led to Fox News ouster. Quote, that stuff freaks Rupert out. Um, Before you tell us about this, I want to remind folks, you are the reporter who broke the news about Rupert Murdoch breaking off his engagement. So he was briefly engaged to Ann Leslie Smith. Uh, He he basically gave the news of his engagement to the New York Post, to Cindy Adams, and it it rolled out in the paper and, you know, everyone's hunky-dory for a couple weeks. And then you you roll around and you're finishing your cover story for Vanity Fair and your sources say, no, he just broke off the engagement. They're not getting married. So you broke that story, which was then confirmed and everybody's confirmed and it's true. So that indicates to me you've got a lot of credibility to tell us what you're about to tell us. So tell us what you've been reporting this week. Um, well, you know, when you mentioned succession, Brian, you know, <laughs> this this incident of Tucker's firing really strikes me as something out of uh, the the HBO show of just something that's you know, so dramatic and yeah. defies just reality. What I've heard is that, um, go, backing up, what, the, the reason why Rupert Murdoch and Ann Leslie Smith called off their engagement, one of the reasons, I should say, is that Rupert became increasingly uncomfortable with her overt Christianity, you know, her, her extreme evangelical worldview, um, you know, kind of really putting religion at the forefront of everything. Rupert Murdoch is a Presbyterian. Yes, he goes to church, but talking about God and miracles and this sort of very detailed and overt spirituality is not his worldview. And so I reported that Anne Leslie Smith had said, had told him that she thought that Tucker Carlson was, quote, a messenger from God. And Rupert's response, according to my source, was nope. And that was like one of the last straws that ended the engagement. So, so we know that Rupert was very uncomfortable with his ex-fiancé's uh, religious, you know, worldview, and that her feeling that Tucker was this messianic figure. Mm. Okay, so uh, at the, uh, several days before they called off the engagement, this is a new detail that I reported this week. Tucker Carlson flew to L.A. and had private dinner with Rupert. And Anne Leslie Smith at Rupert's um, Vineyard in Bel Air. 
And during this dinner, according to my reporting, Ann Leslie Smith pulled out a Bible and she and Tucker started, you know, discussing passages from the book of Exodus as Rupert Murdoch, quote, just stared and watched them and was very uncomfortable. So Rupert is very uncomfortable in this scene. Several days after this dinner, he calls off the engagement with Ann Leslie Smith. Cut to Friday night, Tucker Carlson goes to the Heritage Foundation where they're having a 50th anniversary gala at a convention center in Maryland. And he gives a, a keynote speech in which he, he does qualify that he's not really you know, a religious person himself. He's not an evangelical. But then he goes on to say that this, this is a moment where we all need to pray. It becomes this very kind of woo-woo, spiritual, messianic speech that he gives about, you know, our enemies are evil and the only way to defeat liberals is with prayer. And I had heard, Rupert heard this speech and just was weirded out by it. And maybe this was baggage from, you know, this dinner he had with Ann Lizzie Smith and Carlson. But this speech was like really just made Rupert snap. Mm. And he just decided he wanted Tucker gone Monday morning. Now, we should point out Rupert Murdoch is 92 years old. And if it seems like not really a logical reason to fire your number one host, people that I talk to think Rupert's really kind of losing his mind and that he's making decisions without much thought behind them. And he's just lashing out and acting out. And this the, the sort of Tucker firing was an indirect consequence of his messy breakup with his evangelical ex-fiance. Is the implication here that, and, and you did not write this in the piece, but is the implication here that he did it to piss off his ex-fiance? Again, I don't, yeah, I, I can't speak to Rupert's motives because I, I right, don't Right, we know. don't know. We're not but, talking to him. What we, do know, what we do know is that, uh, according to my reporting, Tucker was Ann Leslie Smith's favorite Fox News host. Well, and by, by and the way, she, that means she probably thinks that this was because of her. Yes. <laughs> whether so, it was or not. <laughs> whether it was or not, you know, he, Rupert, the factual <sighs> statement is true that Rupert Murdoch canceled his ex fiance's favorite Fox show. So that's right. all, that's something that we can say for certain. So let me, uh, let me try to tie all this together and see if this, see if this makes sense. I feel like different folks were coming at this from different directions. Suzanne Scott, who's the CEO of Fox News Media, someone that um, Carlson, I suspect, has disparaged in those texts. She might have had her own reasons for wanting to end his show. Lachlan Murdoch maybe had other reasons for being willing to do this. And then Rupert Murdoch, you're pointing to a very personal reason, a really, really, really personal theory about this. Is it, is it possible that everything we've all here said is true, that all of these reasons are part of it, and that at the end of the day— Finally, after tolerating Carlson for years, and there were lots of reasons not to tolerate him, it's, it's almost like the Murdochs looked the other way for a really long time and then snapped. And so is it possible that all these theories are part of the answer? Possible, yes, of course. And, you know, I, I will say that when Rupert made the decision to, to push Tucker out, there was not a whole contingent of people at Fox trying to protect Tucker. So exactly. yes. Exactly. That, that is the, I think that's the better way to say it. He did not have any allies left. He did not have any protectors left. So that clearly, yes. Um, but I will say that there was another detail in my story yesterday that didn't get as much attention, but I think speaks to the, the decision-making behind Tucker, which is that two sources briefed on Fox's preparations for the Dominion trial told me that one of the reasons Fox settled at the 11th hour for $787 million was that the Fox lawyers um, concluded that it would be a disaster for Fox if Rupert Murdoch at age 92 
in his mental condition took the stand in a public courtroom in Delaware. Wow. And what happened was that Rupert Murdoch was going to be called. He, I think he was either the first or one of the first witnesses. I to believe he was going to be the second witness. Yep. Yes. Yep. And when, when the judge said the trial was starting with opening statements and there was no settlement to be reached, the lawyers basically said, okay, we got to settle. And they paid a king's ransom to protect their king, Rupert Murdoch. I'm only speaking for my own reporting, but for me, the larger story here is that the man in charge of this media empire, Rupert Murdoch, is making decisions in an erratic fashion mm. that has caused now a, a, almost a billion dollar settlement against his company and has now resulted in the loss of their number one ranked host. Whatever you think about Tucker Carlson, it is true that he was the linchpin of their primetime lineup. Yes. And Fox is now in a much weaker position yes. because of decisions that Rupert Murdoch is making. Gabe, I know you've got to get back to well, reporting. Is there any other thing, any other aspect we need to make sure we mention here? Well, I get you, something you touched on, Brian. I think this points to the future, right? Who is going to replace Tucker? I think we are going to see over the next few months whether Fox News is going to double down on the MAGA conspiracy paranoid audience or if they're going to try to pivot as all of those text messages from Paul Ryan and others at Fox said after the 2020 election. Is Fox going to actually try to move away from Donald Trump? My my guess, based on all of my reporting, is no. I mean, this is the bet they've made. The audience is the audience. And I think I saw somewhere he's on Twitter or elsewhere, you know, that we wouldn't be surprised if Jesse Waters, who we should point out was Bill O'Reilly's protege, would move into the eight o'clock time slot, which was Bill O'Reilly's slot that had been taken over by Tucker. Right. So, and, and, and Jesse is a very pro MAGA, pro Trump voice, probably the strongest one left at the network. But I do think I'm going to be watching over the next few months what direction Fox goes to replace Tucker. Yeah, people say this is an end of an era. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the start of something new. That's what's interesting about this. Gabe, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Good to be with you. Well, Gabe has given us a lot to talk about. And after the break, I'm going to bring in Bess Levin uh, to go through all of it. I think she may even have some questions for me as well. Uh, We'll be right back. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. And we're back here on Inside the Hive. I'm Brian Stelter, and we're talking about the shock firing of Tucker Carlson and and what it means for the future of Fox and the right-wing media and the Republican Party and, I don't know, the world. Uh, Vanity Fair correspondent Bess Levin is here with me now. Great to see you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. There's one topic we didn't even touch on with Gabe that I think you wrote about earlier this year. Tucker Carlson's whitewashing of January 6th, his attempt to rewrite history about January 6th, his taking of those surveillance tapes from Kevin McCarthy and then uh, clipping them and snipping them together in a way to mislead the public. Right. Did you notice how when he did all that bullshit, uh, other Fox shows didn't follow it? Yeah. Like other Fox shows didn't follow up. If he had actually had this big scoop about January 6th, then every other show should have led with it the next day. Like, this is breaking news. 
No, they didn't touch it. It was one of the most embarrassing things he's ever done, maybe second only to the testicle tanning segment. Oh, I forgot about that. But I <laughs> no. look back at that and I think Fox— It was is, crickets, yeah. I, I think we're going to look back and we're going to say even then something was going on. Fox, yes. Tucker was moving even further away from Fox, further from reality, mm-hmm. and the other shows were not with him. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I think what that indicates again is— it wasn't like management was cheering him on, praising Tucker. Tucker, right. you're doing so well. Right. No, he was becoming more and more of a problem there. Right. You know, it is strange because from everything I've heard and read, it did seem like Lachlan was a big supporter big of Tucker guys. They would, they would hang out when they were in the same city. They'd get dinner. That's true. Right. So— But we don't know if that was true like a month ago. We know that was true, correct. you know, in recent years. Right, right, right. There may have been a rupture we don't know about. Right. Right. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's Rupert who makes the final call, right? Right. Let's keep adding even more layers because there are even <laughs> more angles that we have not talked about yet. I mean, one, 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 like, I, this is like beyond, beyond, but I'm like, how does this change, like, the calculus with James? And, and for listeners who don't remember, James Murdoch is the more liberal son sitting on the sidelines waiting for the moment where he can try to take over Fox Corporation. This is in the event of Rupert's death, uh, that possible James will swoop in and try to take control of Fox and bring it back to a more reality-based Or maybe place. sell it and— just Is be that, done with it. Right. Right. Just be done with it. But but that gets to the business motivations here. And that's the part I want to add to this very full pot uh, that, w- that we've, we've, we've built here so far. Uh, Tucker Carlson's show was not an advertiser magnet. Right. It was not appealing to blue chip advertisers. No. You know, it's why he ran so many MyPillow ads. It's yeah. why Mike Lindell got to be a guest on the show. And this was always an argument that I would have with Fox News spokespeople, where they would say, we're not taking a hit. We still have sponsors. We're not taking a, a hit at this right, hour. Right. That was never really true, because if you have an 8 p.m. show that's really popular, but you can't charge as much for ads as you would like to, because there's not as many people bidding for the ads. So instead of making—I'm just going to make numbers up. These are really stupid numbers. Sure. Instead of making $100, you're making $50 per ad, right? Uh, the numbers are obviously much, much higher. Uh that has an impact. That You are losing out on possible revenue. You are making less money than you could make if somebody else was the host. Yes. My only question about that is because his audience was so big, was right. that making up for the fact was that it, it was up? That's cheaper, a great question. That's cheaper a great question. ads? I, I think it did, to some degree, yes. Yeah. Right? Like a 20, I would say Tucker Carlson's like a 20% premium in the ratings. Right. He, he has a 20% boost over the show before him and sometimes the show after him. Right. There is an audience that only came in for Tucker and didn't stay. And that yeah. audience, by the way, has started to go over to Newsmax, at least mm-hmm. for the first day after this all happened. So, yes, to some degree. But still, if you run the numbers, right, that show that might be making $25 million a year could be making 30 or 40 million right. if yeah. Tucker were not so toxic and a turn off to advertisers. Mm-hmm. So that's been true for years and Fox tolerated it. But I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is if th- there reached a point where every, all the managers, the Murdochs and Suzanne Scott, if they reached a point where like, you know what, we just can't put up with this guy anymore. Right. We can't tolerate this anymore. Right. Maybe Rupert has decided this for very personal reasons. He wants to piss off his ex-fiance. Right. Whatever it is. <laughs> you know what? And then there's all these other reasons why he should have been fired anyway, like the fact that his time slot was not as valuable as it could have been, mm-hmm. and like the fact that he was, you know, engaging in racist commentary. Right. You just add it all up and the answer becomes all of the above. Yeah, I think so. And I'm trying I, to persuade you. I'm gonna see if no, you buy it. No, I think no, I think you <laughs> I think you are persuading me. And we were actually talking about this in the office yesterday, you know, the idea of 
Rupert's state of mind. You know, mm. forget about forget about the the Tucker of it all. He announces in the New York Post. He gives an interview about his engagement, and then he breaks it off two weeks later. It's amazing. Like, that's crazy. But that is, I think, that's a serious data point that you know, in terms of his erraticness and frame of mind. And so, yes, when you think about that, it the idea that he was like, fuck it, I'm done with this guy. I Mm. want him gone. You know, know, there were so many uh, people on Twitter uh, gleefully taking note of the fact that Tucker had no idea when he signed off on Friday. This happened so quickly. Yeah. He was eating pizza. He said, we'll see you Monday. Listen, that's a television equivalent of an execution. And I, you know, I really appreciated being able to sign off at CNN. Obviously, I didn't want my show to be canceled, but I, I liked being able to have one more problem, one more show and, yeah. and, 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 you know, have one more monologue and all that. And the fact that they didn't give that to Tucker, you know, so, so right, we're adding even more angles here. Sure. I, I want to add another one that relates to his popularity in the first yeah. place. Can you tell us, you know, what you think is attributed? Well, how do we explain and attribute and, you know, assess Tucker's rise? Like what, what got him to the point where he was the number one star on, on cable news? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. He's been around forever, but he really only became this, like, huge, huge thing when he took over for O'Reilly. He interviewed me on MSNBC. He was a host on MSNBC (laughs) in, like, 2005, 2006, and I— I was, you know, I was like, I was like this chubby, you know, guys. I had hair. I was, like, I was a college student, and he had me on MSNBC, and he was a normal guy. Yeah, I mean, he was conservative, but he was a normal guy. I think what happened is he was a performer who was performing a yeah. character on Fox mm-hmm. who talked himself into believing it. He talked yeah. himself into being a true believer. People say, does, does Tucker believe it? I think he does now. Yeah, I don't think he did before. I don't think he did in the beginning. I think he became a true believer by by like like. Living in it every day for years. Yes, the the rise happened when they started going super, 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 super. You know, you think, okay, Fox is this this right wing machine, which they are, but he went so far um, to the right. You know, going on, they were getting their stories from these these fringe websites, these right. you know, the neo Nazi ones, the the nativist ones and you know that that was their content and he really he dug so deep into it it was the great replacement stuff let's was, actually play a little bit of that cuz i i just i it's one thing for us to describe how toxic it was let's actually listen to it in his own words they can embrace the issues the middle class cares about or they can import an entirely new electorate from the third world and change the demographics of the us so completely they'll never lose again so that racist, anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, you know, if you really wanted to find it in 2018, you could go Googling for that stuff, right? Right, right. He brought it into homes. He brought right. it into living rooms in, in middle America. He had the ADL calling for his firing years ago, mm-hmm. and yet the Murdochs tolerated it. And that says a lot, not just about him and about Fox's tolerance for him for a long time, but also about the Republican Party, about the state of conservative America, that, you know, th- th- this stuff— um, some of his viewers wanted this stuff. Some of his viewers wanted it stuff. You have, um, you know, sitting Congress people who have, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene was getting to this stuff. So, so this went on for years on the air. It's unlike anything I've seen in cable news. And I think here's how it's related, again, to what happened. Why was he fired? Mm-hmm. Here's what Murdoch's Wall Street Journal reported. Carlson sometimes trafficked in what critics, including some higher-ups within Fox, 
felt was thinly veiled racism on his show. Some higher-ups at Fox thought he was racist. Now, isn't that interesting? Very interesting. When did they reach that conclusion? Because they (laughs) they didn't reach that conclusion last Friday. Right. They didn't wake up over the weekend and say, you know, I think Tucker might might be hurting our brand. Right. But instead, there were enough reasons, an accumulation of reasons to get to the point where it wasn't going to be tolerated Yes, anymore. And you I know, think there's some people, the folks who knew what he was doing with the racist crap, who are now relieved at Fox. Like, okay, yeah. we've, now, we've now cleaned up some of our mess. Well, as you and Gabe were talking about, you've got Jesse Waters, and I think he'd be happy to, if he gets the APM, do you, I mean, you think he's going to, how, how do you think he'll play it? That's interesting. I view Waters as more of a of a, a jester, you know, sure. like a, he's a, sure. a, you know, a comedian. Um, right. But, you know, uh, he's he he's all smiles. Right. And if you look at Tucker, uh, he only he would do that maniacal laugh sometimes. And like the furrowed in, brow. In, yeah, he would do that. <laughs> but his show wasn't a smiling show. Oh, God, no. Uh, that wasn't a smiling show. And you can tell a lot about, I think, on television news based on w- what what kind of manner, what demeanor the person has. Yeah. Tucker was, was in like a—, a not an echo chamber, a fear chamber. Yeah. That show was about fear. It's terrifying. More with Best Levin when we come back. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. I have a question for you, and I don't want to. Oh. I don't want to move the conversation the away. We'll go one way. We'll come back. What do you think <laughs> he's going to do? Do you think he's going to start his own thing? Do you? Well, think- no, I think that's entirely related to this. I think. I think for all the reasons he was out, for all the reasons he was ousted, um, it it wasn't because he was unpopular, right? <laughs> like the one the one reason that right. we cannot add to this mm-hmm. is that he was a ratings failure, right? right. And uh, so there's an audience, there's people that are buying what he's selling. And so that means I think he has an, an enormous uh, number of options. Yeah. Now, uh, let me say a different way though. I think he's backed himself into a right wing corner, obviously, yes. right? T- t- 10 years ago, you know, he he had he would have had more options. Sure. He was on Dancing with the Stars even, like not that long ago. Right. That would never happen today. He no. has backed himself into a corner. So he's he's only going to be speaking to that audience that's already in that corner with yes. him. And he's not going to be able to expand. But um, you know, I, I mean, look, if he launched a Substack tonight, how many people would pay? A million, million five, yeah. two million. Yeah, you know, because you know, if he had, if he had on an average night three to four million viewers a night, a little fewer on Fridays. If he had on an average night three million, it wasn't always the same three million. Right. If you cumulate that up over the course of a month, he had ten, twenty, thirty million people who 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 liked him a lot, right. who appreciated him. So 
there's there's a lot of money in that. Yeah. And the other question is, and I, I think I know the answer. Do you think he goes harder? Do you think this he goes the Alex Jones, the Alex Jones direction? That's an interesting question. Right. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, we went on scene. I went on scene two years ago with Oliver Darcy and said, Tucker Carlson's a new Alex Jones. Yeah. And we were, we thought we were like pretty <laughs> far out on the ledge back then. Yeah. We thought we were like right out on the edge looking over, you hey. know, accurate, but like right on the line. And like, two years later, that doesn't seem controversial. No. Like that doesn't seem controversial at all because Tucker continued to move down that, that yeah. direction. Yeah. Um, and that gets to, I think, the thing about what he, whatever he, he is next. He's not going to ever have, have as big a platform again no. because there is not as big a platform as Fox. No. Um, uh, Newsmax has a, a f- tiny fraction of the audience. OAN doesn't even have Nielsen ratings there. Now, I, I could see him trying to take over a channel. I could see him trying to launch a subscription video network. There are all of those possibilities. And I think one of the reasons why he's being quiet right mm-hmm. now is that he's he's keeping options open and plotting what, what to do. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to sound sympathetic to Tucker Carlson, <laughs> but he didn't have any time to prepare for this. Sure. How does Tucker wedge himself in or where does he wedge himself in? Maybe yeah. he does become like the world's most successful Substack newsletter author. <laughs> My gut tells me he goes bigger and yeah. tries to have a media empire of some form. That that makes sense. But if history is any judge, he won't be as big as he was before. Right. And maybe that means the media environment in the United States is, like, a little bit cleaner and healthier. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, if there's a little bit less of Tucker Carlson. Of that, of that stuff. Right, yeah. But if Bill O'Reilly said—remember O'Reilly's famous slogan? He would say, um, he would say, uh, you know, the, the spin stops here or whatever. I'm the yeah. no-spin zone. But then he would say, we're looking out for you. And I always—it was a very—made me kind of feel good, you know? Like, that oh, was a— Oh, God, really? That's like an old-fashioned, <laughs> like, conservative talk to They're like— we're looking out for you. Yeah. Carlson said something different. He said, he didn't say his, uh, these exact words, but sure. the message of his show every day was, nobody's looking out for you. Yeah. Like, it's nobody. very different. It's a nobody. very different. Um, we are, you know, it's, it, it, everyone's out to get you. The government's failed you. These, 100%. Everything's failed you. No one is looking out for you. Yeah. It was a, like a kind of a deeply depressing perspective on his yes. show sometimes. Well, whoever gets the job, whatever happens— it's going to result in a different, I suspect, a different tone, a different story, a different narrative coming yeah. out of Fox. Right. And I don't think the Murdochs know what it's going to be. I don't think anybody knows what no, it's going to be. It That's seems what's like... interesting now. I do have some breaking news for you as we oh. wrap up the conversation. Uh, the Daily Mail had photographers uh, along the golf course to get pictures of Tucker Carlson. Okay. He's been spotted. He's okay. out in public. Okay. And he said to the cameraman, retirement is going great so far. So Tucker Carlson breaking his silence, yeah. uh, you know, after getting booted by Fox. Right. And uh, he's, he's, he's spinning this as a positive. He's okay. saying, I haven't eaten dinner with my wife on a weeknight in seven years. So he's celebrating. He's a happy guy. Okay. He's thrilled. He's been, he's, been, uh, he's been made a free man. Yeah, for $20 million. Should be so happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a signal that he's going to, like, lay low, enjoy, like, be, you know, put on a happy face, right? Yeah. Let this exit package get negotiated yep. and then figure out where where he goes or what he does. I think so, too. But I think we've concluded here, Bess, like the answer might be all of the above. Right, yeah. Um, it might be all of the above Everything. or it might be only one of these theories and time will tell. Right. Bess Levin, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That was Vanity Fair politics correspondent Bess Levin and at the top of the show, special correspondent Gabe Sherman. This episode was produced by Michael May. 
Our executive producer is Stephen Valentino. Jordan Bell edited the show this week, and we had engineering assistance from Kevin Barasa, Gabe Caroga, and Bob Mallory. I'm Brian Stelter. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Stelter. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter at VanityFair.com backslash newsletters. We will be back in your podcast feed next week. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. From PR.